Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On today's episode, I will be celebrating my upcoming book, Journey to Belonging, Pathways to Well-Being. I don't have a guest today, which I'm a, a bit sad about because I love interviewing educators and other professionals who bring their own stories of finding their sense of belonging and how they view belonging, and just their personal stories, which I enjoy sharing with with all my listeners. But today, I don't have a guest, and as I said, I'd like to share with you my excitement about publishing my book. It will be, uh, it's available now on pre-order on Amazon in Kindle and paperback, but it will be officially published uh, and launched on Monday, November 8th. And I will also be doing a 15-minute Instagram Live on Sunday, November 7th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Mandy Freilich and I will be chatting a bit about my book. And I will be hopefully explaining a little bit now about my story. So I guess the way I want to start or where I want to start is back in the beginning. And uh, I'm sort of giving you a, a little bit of a sneak preview to the book because I tell stories in the book about my life when I was growing up in Buffalo, New York and how I transitioned to my life here in Kuwait. And uh, as I mentioned in the book, and I've mentioned to people when I speak with them about how I sort of came upon this connection of belonging and how important belonging is to everyone, not just me, I realized that growing up, especially in school, I never really felt a sense of belonging. And part of that was me and my personality. I was extremely shy. Um, Many of you who know me now are probably surprised at that because I'm I'm quite gregarious and and, uh, social. But I was shy. I don't know if I'd call myself introverted, but I I did, and I still do enjoy spending time on my own. But I, I think I overspent my time on my own when I was growing up. There are various reasons for that, and I I share those in the book. But I I never really made the connection that I just didn't feel that connection. I didn't feel that sense of belonging in school. I was the sort of the odd person out. Um, I was rather geeky. Uh, From the time I was in second grade, I wore glasses and I was nearsighted. And so um, 
as time went by, the glasses got thicker and thicker, the lenses. Um, I was very self-conscious about that at a time when, um, I don't know, I, I guess I saw myself as, as not very pretty and also because I enjoyed studying, I enjoyed doing school, although uh, because I did well, my, my grades were good, uh, I was always in the uh, top part of the class. But again, uh, looking back, I think I was doing school because that was what was expected of me. But I didn't really enjoy school. By the time I got into high school, I was really interested. Most of my friends were involved in the school plays and musicals. I, I don't have a stellar singing voice. My, my sister has that, but I don't have that. And so although I tried out for chorus and I tried out for different parts, I, I really never made it. And because I, I just, I guess I couldn't see the forest from the trees, I didn't realize that, that I didn't need to be on stage. I didn't have to be on stage just because my friends were on stage and they were very successful at getting parts, no matter how big or small, or getting into the chorus that I didn't need to be exactly like them. So I guess when I was growing up, my, <clears throat> my idea about belonging was not belonging, it was fitting in. That's what Brene Brown talks about in terms of our misunderstanding of belonging. It's not fitting in. <clears throat> it's being our own person and being our authentic selves and being accepted for that. And I guess I had this perception that I wasn't going to be accepted if I, for instance, worked on the crew or helped out backstage, that I had to be like my friends and fit in with them and be part of the crowd. And looking back now, I realized that I still could have been part of the crowd if I hadn't been so narrow in my perception of what that meant. And again, I thought fitting in meant, you know, being being on stage. And being backstage was sort of not as good as being on stage. And so if I couldn't be on stage, I wasn't going to be involved at all. And I see how much I cut out my opportunities because I I I didn't allow myself to see that though they were opportunities. So I guess what I'm sharing here is that although my perception of self was that I, I didn't feel that sense of belonging, I, I felt like the other. Uh, there were many th things about me that I felt were different. I realize that it, it all comes down to self-belonging. And I didn't have a sense of self-belonging. And, and when I say self-belonging, what do I mean? Well, I didn't have a very good self-concept. I lacked self-worth, self-esteem, certainly self-confidence. I probably had self-efficacy in certain things. Uh, I believed that I was good at school, 
but I always felt that I had to work harder than everybody else to be good at school. And so my self-efficacy was doubtful. For example, when I was in 10th grade, I had taken a biology class and I, I think I got a, a D or an F on the first test. And that was a defining moment for me. I remember crying and thinking, oh my gosh, my life has ended. I'll never be able to get into a university. And you know, it was all because of this, I'm terrible at science, I can't do science, because I, you know, I always struggled with earth science and other science subjects. And so again, my, my self-concept, my self, sense of self-belonging completely wasn't there. And I'm sad to say that my sense of self-belonging really didn't start happening until I was in my 30s. And part of that growth was because I, I found a partner, my husband, who believed in me. And that's not to say that my family didn't believe in me because I know they did very much. But, you know, I, did, I didn't believe in myself. And I wasn't interpreting the signals from my mom and my dad as, as being positive signals toward me. It was like, well, you're my mom and dad, and so you have to say that. And, and, uh, and so I, you know, I know they're proud of me. I know they were always proud of me. But at that time, I wasn't ready to open my eyes and see that they weren't speaking just because they were my parents, although I know they loved me, they loved me, and, and you know, part of it was probably saying it to make me feel better, but I'm sure they wouldn't have told me that they were proud of me or they thought that I was doing good work or that I was a good person if they really didn't believe that. But at the time, like I said, I wasn't ready to hear it. And it wasn't that my, my husband told me that I was good. He was there by my side supporting me through the good and the bad and helped me see, I guess by that time I was open to seeing that I needed to change my perception about myself. And there were other signals that I was getting. So what I'm trying to share here is if, if you're all thinking about yourselves and where you're at at this time, and doubting yourself, you're feeling that imposter syndrome, um, that you're, you know, people are complimenting you, but you're really not sure if they're just telling you that or if they really mean it. That you sit for a minute with yourself and you make a list of all of the things that you've accomplished in your life. And to tell you the truth, I had to keep reminding myself of those things when I was in my 30s in order to begin to feel that sense of self-belonging, in order to increase my feelings of self-confidence, self-efficacy, and self-worth because I doubted myself so much. I would make a decision, and if, if something went wrong in having made that decision, I would question myself. Um, I would question myself before I even got the results of having made that decision. 
even though I had studied and looked up and asked questions and had done my due diligence before I made that decision, but I had that self-doubt um, and that made it very difficult for me to see the things that I had accomplished. I didn't celebrate the things that I accomplished. And even when I was younger, growing up, and I, I think back to the things that I was recognized for, for being extremely patient, for being a creative writer, even though I, I disliked writing, writing was very painful for me growing up. And I, I share that and have shared that with my students because I felt like I needed it perfect on the page. And if it wasn't perfect on the page, it shouldn't go on the page. So I, I think you're seeing a pattern here that when I was growing up, I, I had this constant self-doubt and I, I don't remember thinking confidently about the things that I chose to do. I always felt there was probably a better way and I hadn't chosen it. So if you're listening to this, I hope you're thinking to yourself, gee, am I doing that? What perception do I have of myself? Am I judging myself too harshly? Because I know I used to judge myself very harshly. We tend to be our harshest critics. And I often talk to students and sometimes to my people on my team when I was an administrator that they needed to get out of their own way. And I, I never realized that I was getting in my own way. And because I was doing that, there were opportunities that I probably missed, like working backstage and being part of the crew while my good friends in high school were on stage. And then going to the after parties and understanding the inside jokes. Instead, I isolated myself so much that by the time I was in high school, I couldn't wait to leave high school. And I ended up graduating a whole year early. I took summer school classes and graduated a year early and never experienced my senior year. Looking back, well, first of all, I don't know which one is my graduating class. I'm going to date myself by telling you the year I graduated was 1973, but the people that I knew best were in the class of 74. And so I, you know, sort of still wrestle, wrestle or wrestle with that. Also, I missed senior year and senior year had was filled with a lot of things and I I just pushed myself into college. I was still 17. So Again, thinking about those opportunities and those missed opportunities, I also felt that I needed to follow the rules. And following the rules isn't a bad thing, but bending them every once in a while doesn't make you a bad person, uh, especially if you're bending rules that uh, are not such a big deal. But for me, that was very black and white. 
I felt like I would be disappointing myself and disappointing my family and my teachers and my friends if I did something that that bent the rules. Now looking back again, you know, was it really a that big a deal? Probably not. Um, if you think of the rules that are bent by students in middle school and high school. Again, as long as you don't get into a dangerous situation or do something that you know will sort of reflect on you poorly. But I felt that I had to do what I was expected to do. And I never felt that I could get out of that mindset of if I don't do it this way, people will judge me. I won't be accepted. But I didn't realize that I needed to accept myself first. And can you imagine that I waited until I was in my 30s? I didn't wait. I just didn't realize it. And I didn't realize it was all about belonging until very recently when I started looking into my story about and my life being more than half my life here in Kuwait, but still being very attached to the United States and where I grew up in Buffalo, New York. And it wasn't until a number of years ago people started asking me questions about how did I feel at home in both places and how did I feel and adapt so well to both places that I'm happy in both places that I started researching and realizing that the connection was connections. It was belonging and such a broader sense of belonging. Um, and, and then to come to the realization that my self-belonging was lacking. And so what I'd like to talk about now is how can we make sure that we have that sense of self-belonging as adults because I see a lot of people who don't yet. And how can we ensure that from a very young age that our children, our students, realize what self-belonging is and begin to grow and change their mindsets about fitting in and judging themselves harshly and having a more open perspective and acceptance of themselves as well as ex acceptance without judgment of others. And so this whole idea of acceptance without judgment is really, really important. We have to accept ourselves first and we shouldn't have to wait until we're middle age or you know, past those teen years we should be getting that, those messages. We should be seeing it modeled around us. We should be doing activities, working on projects that increase student agency. And when I'm talking about student agency, it's not just voice and choice. It's much more than that. It's how can I learn to make choices if I'm, if I'm not giving given that opportunity to make choices and fail and to learn that failure is okay or to stumble is okay because that's how we learn. 
it's important for parents also to understand that sometimes children do fail. Uh, sometimes they don't make the right decisions, but we need to give the, let them have those opportunities to make decisions. So again, when I'm talking about student agency, it's broader than just student voice and student choice. It's instilling in students the idea that when they make those choices or use their voice, they're responsible to themselves and they're also responsible to those around them. And giving them projects where they can make choices, such as um, Noah's, Noah Daniels' projects, um, building outside the blocks, and, her, um, and, and projects that include um, describing your name, oh, which is your identity. What better way to start with self than to look at your name? and see what, how you view it, see what relationships it has, find out why your parents named you that. My name, I was named after my, my, my grandfather. And that's why my name begins with an I, rather than E-I-L-E-E-N. It's I-L-E-N-E, -E, and it's because my grandfather's name was Isidore, and so I was named after him, so my name begins with an I. And so, again, that gives me a part of my identity. I belong to my family. I, I have, my name has significance. And, you know, sometimes our names don't have a significance. Then how do we feel about our name? For a long time, I wanted to change my name because people were constantly mispronouncing my name. They would see the I-L-E-N-E -E and immediately just see the I-E-N-E -E and call me Irene. And for a while, again, when I was struggling in school, uh, it, it became sort of, well, you're not seeing me. You're, you're not really paying attention. And this would happen at the beginning of school year with teachers. And they would glance down at the name list. And of course, I was, my, my maiden name is Winokur, and it's a W. And when I was in school in the 60s and 70s, uh, we sat at the back of the class. We were in alphabetical order most of the time. And so I was one of the last people to call. I don't know whether the teacher was just tired of calling out names by then. Who knows? But often I would be uh, called Irene. And me being shy and not very forthcoming, a lot of times I let it go uh, and hoped that the teacher would recognize their mistake. And usually they did, um, never apologizing for it, which is a shame because if I've um, misnamed someone, I want to be sure that I, I do you know, recognize and let the person know that that I, I made a mistake. This is the reason why I'm very conscious of asking uh, how people pronounce their names uh, for my podcast, when I'm meeting somebody new, uh, and in, in any situation, I, I always ask. And here in Kuwait, 
the students are who have Arabic names uh, often don't correct their teachers or if their teacher mispronounces and says is that the way you pronounce it and it's not the way you pronounce it they're afraid to correct them and we need to let students know that in a very respectful and polite way they have every right to cor correct pronunciation of their names it's their identity after all and and one of the first things about us uh, that's our self-belonging is our name so I just wanted to introduce a little bit about um, my my book although the stories that I've told you are not in the book probably uh, for my memoir if I ever write it but the essence of the chapter about self-belonging is is really important and I wanted to emphasize self-belonging as something that we need to instill in our students in our children and of course to be sure we feel that sense of self-belonging ourselves no matter what age we are because having a sense of self-belonging is the basis for our being able to have healthy and happy and satisfying relationships with others whether they be personal relationships with family friends or professional relationships with our colleagues it's extremely important for us to feel self-confident sense of self-worth to have that healthy self-confidence that feeling of self-belonging a strong feeling of self-belonging so for example when we get into a situation where we're not sure whether this person is really our friend or not whether they really accept us or not whether they're judging us or not we have the confidence the sense of self-belonging to be able to walk away from that relationship if we realize that it isn't healthy that it isn't supportive that it is judgmental and that in the end if we only have a couple of close friends who support us close colleagues that support us that's all that really matters that doesn't mean we don't associate with other people but it means that we don't expend our energy on those people because we have that sense of self-belonging that self-concept that's strong and we know we can reject somebody rejecting us so again thank you this next week's episode will we will have a new guest on um, and next week I will be a published author which I'm very excited about I the book is available on amazon.com and the link to the uh, to buying the book is will be in the show notes um, I'm also really excited about sharing more about belonging self-belonging personal belonging professional belonging 
and then becoming a good ancestor, leaving a legacy for those who come after us. So have a great week. Uh, I'm wishing you all well. I know it's been a difficult year for those who are teaching, uh, coaching, uh, administrators. I know it's been a tough year, tougher year than people expected. And I do hope it gets better. We're going into the holiday season in many parts of the world. Uh, Diwali is coming up and Thanksgiving is at the end of the month. And there are other holidays that are, that are celebrated in the next couple of months. Uh, I hope that we all find the joy in life. And if you're experiencing any difficulties and want to talk about it, I'm always here for you. And please reach out. Uh, thank you again for listening. And see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.